and welcome to the first episode of the Millennial Life Crisis Podcast. I'm Shelby, your co-host. And I'm Monica, your other co-host. Hello, hello. If you guys don't know us, we're 25-year-old sisters, twin sisters actually. I realized as I was making the Millennial Life Crisis Instagram, I just put sisters because I often forget that we're twin sisters. But we are twins, um, which makes us kind of unique, I guess. And I, Monica, live in Seattle, Washington, and Shelby lives in Los Angeles. Monica at one point actually did live in LA too. A lot of people ask that and she moved back to Seattle three years ago now. Yeah, it's been like three years. It's crazy. I'm in denial. I always like to think it's only been like one year, but no, it's been three. Mm -hmm. So I still live in LA. I've lived here for six years now, which is so insane. The time has really flown by. And that's kind of that. And we are just full-fledged millennials. Um, We started making YouTube videos when we were 13 years old. And we're lucky enough to be successful in it. And it's been the only job that we have ever had, which has had its pros and cons to it. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. And from the outside looking in, it seems all great, all amazing. You get to go to cool events, this and that. I think a lot of people don't realize the bad parts about it. Not that we really want to focus on a lot of bad here, but just the reality of it, talking about it. But we're also just going to talk about what it's like to be in your 20s besides YouTube. You'll get a little behind the scenes in this podcast, but just also more insight into our life that we really haven't shared on the internet yeah before a large part of our a large part of both of our identities is making youtube videos since it's really all we've ever been doing and every week we package up new videos on our channels you can definitely go check them out if you want um but with that we aren't really able to dive into more personal topics and just get into our life a little bit more so that's what we wanted to do on this podcast we want to be able to talk to you guys about the problems that we're having or that you're having or just like dating and getting a dog or getting an airstream and just yeah i don't know buying a house buying a things house. like that yeah we have i think reached a good amount of those milestones between the two of us where we can talk about it so maybe if you're thinking of something like buying a house getting a dog hopefully we can give you our experience and that'll help you make a better decision than maybe we did if we made a mistake that that sort of thing also just want to say i'm really trying to stop saying the word like so much so apologies if i do i'm working on it so the podcast is called millennial life crisis which is based on monica's vlog channel monica tell us how you came up with that concept for your vlog channel and a little bit about that yeah so millennial life crisis really the way i would define it is it's a feeling that you have and about five years ago now i got to a point in my life where you know i was no longer a teenager i was starting to enter adulthood and i was feeling overwhelmed and i was scared and i suddenly realized i don't know if i want to take the path that i was going on which was you know just being a youtuber and trying to get into the film industry and living in los angeles it is what i had dreamed my whole life growing up suddenly i was starting to attain it and 
I was, I was just having a crisis and realized, I don't know if this is what I actually want to do. And that's scary to realize that maybe you don't want to take that path that you thought you wanted to take and you have to go back to square one and figure out what you really want to do with your life. And so that is how I came up with the term millennial life crisis. One day I was just on a walk and I thought about how, hey, I'm a millennial. Millennials have these really interesting challenges where, you know, We have social media that we grow up with now and you can't escape people ever and maybe you're feeling judged by others or you're like comparing yourself to others and and I started thinking about how people have a midlife crisis and I thought millennial life crisis was a funny play on words on that. I didn't know if it would actually translate and make any sense to anyone. I decided to take a chance and make this channel about it, about my millennial life crisis that I was having, which is essentially like a quarter life crisis. And uh, the rest is history. Now it's a vlog channel. It really resonated with a lot of people. I didn't realize a lot of people felt this exact same way. And so that's what it is. That is millennial life crisis. That's one thing I've realized about a millennial life crisis or a quarter life crisis is when you're in the thick of it, it feels like no one else is going through one. But a lot of people do. I think it's super normal. And in a lot of ways, it's a good thing to question everything, but it's not super fun to talk about. So day to day, not a lot of people are going to bring up that they don't know what they're doing with their life. So you might feel a little alone in that, but actually it's not really that unique. Like a lot of people go through it. It's very common. And even the people that look like they've absolutely have it together. I mean, look at Justin Bieber. He's constantly going through some sort of crisis. Even look at like, he does seem like, look at like, Bill Gates. He's a billionaire. He created this successful company. If you watch his documentary, like he still has things he's stressing about as if like he doesn't know if he's fully made it in life yet. And you're like, are you kidding me? You're Bill Gates. So everyone is always a work in progress. No one ever has it together. And I think some of the most successful people, it seems like they reach that level of success and then they have sort of an identity crisis and are like, what's next? Yeah. So as humans, we're it's, always it's an like, interesting thing. What's next? So we're never fully satisfied, but it's important to also just yeah. chill and realize it's okay. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into Shelby's millennial life crisis. Monica has really documented hers on her vlog channel quite a bit already. That's why we're going to start with mine. In the next episode, we'll dive into Monica's too, in case you guys aren't familiar. And then in future episodes, we'll touch on this idea, but it's not always going to be focused about, you know, being in a life crisis because at this point, we're both really not anymore, I would say. There's small ones. We are going to do our weekly life crisis, which we will get to. And we'll also take submissions from you guys. You can email us millenniallifepodcast at gmail.com with an audio message or text of either your weekly crisis or if you're having a full-on quarter-life crisis. And we'll pick some on each episode to feature, talk about, and share, maybe give some advice, that sort of thing. Yeah, and these don't, these really don't have to be like, I'm quitting my job, what do I do? They can also just be like a silly, embarrassing thing that happened to you that week. It can be small or bigger just like any sort of scale anything you want to share and let us know we'd love to hear it yes so Shelby when did this millennial life crisis start for you I would say it very first started when we kind of 
decided, both of us, to not do the traditional route of going to college. It felt weird and risky and scary to not follow that path, but it felt as though it was the right move. I don't regret it now. Mm-hmm. At that time, I, I started to feel a bit of anxiety. Am I sure I want to do this? Am I making the right decision? For two years, I would say it wasn't anything too extreme in that feeling. I think it was just the first time of acknowledging you don't have a safety net of getting a degree or something like that, not having a certain path. So that took some getting used to because I think we're all used to kind of knowing growing up in school, okay, this is what you're going to do next year. This is where you're going to live. I was so used to the built-in structure of school where you go and you have assignments and you turn them in and all of a sudden now everything's on me. It's so much freedom. I didn't even really know how to structure my days myself because you don't learn that in school. And it definitely takes some getting used to. And it was weird at first. It was just a weird feeling. My YouTube channel was progressing. Everything was going pretty well. I just felt a low level feeling of, am I sure I want to do this with my life? And then it wasn't until the summer of 2017 that I really hit my millennial life crisis rock bottom, I guess I would call it. Um, Four years now, six years I would say, I had been making lifestyle videos on YouTube about DIY projects, um, you know, morning routines. A lot of you guys probably remember this era of YouTube, the saturation era, a lot of us like to call it. It started as something that was a genuinely fun type of video to do when you were a teenager. Then many of us noticed that these videos did really well, so we continued on to it. Doing back-to-school videos as a 22-year-old, it was completely ridiculous. It was just catering to a very young audience and trying to, like, drive views any way that you could. Totally. And it worked for a while. It hit a point where it stopped working, though. Before it even hit that point where it wasn't working, it became soul-crushing. I didn't like the videos I was uploading. They were embarrassing. If I met someone and they asked what I did, I would say, don't look up my videos. Oh, yeah. Nope. That's how you know, "Mm, maybe I'm not on the right track here. (laughs) And it was all built off of being something that you're not. I think the reason the saturation era was so popular is because it was all of these girls trying to attain this like cool girl next door kind of I don't know look and it was just literally built off of putting yourself out there as perfect and putting yourself out there as look at me I live in a nice house and I have the best school supplies and and none of it was real I don't of all the youtubers that we know no one was no authentically like that. Everyone was going to Target and spending money on things for a video and then writing it off on their taxes because they only used it for the video. Like, it's not really who they are. It wasn't really their life. It was a good lesson to learn for sure. I would never go back to doing something like mm-hmm. that ever. It just felt so fake and weird and... And unsustainable. I, like, I, you I can't keep it up. You can't. And it's something that a lot of us just slipped into. I feel that I slipped into it. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't realize at the time, it was a few years into it that I kind of took a look at my channel and was like, this is horrible. Yeah. And <laughs> like these videos aren't good. And when it, when you first find that success on YouTube and you start getting views, it is addicting. And then you just, oh yeah, you want more and more views. And then after a while, it starts to just feel like it's all you know and it's the only way you can get views and so you feel like trapped in this topic 100% and if you go all in and you don't have a full-time job this is your job it feels very scary to quit what's working and try something totally new because if it doesn't work you know that's all you had yeah so so in the beginning scary. it was really fun for you right but as you started growing yeah. up you just started detaching further and further from that online persona and it wasn't making you happy it was stressing you out 100 percent. i started to think should i have gone to college should i go to college now should i get a real job people seem very happy with theirs I felt there's also you know when you're doing YouTube it's a lonely job you're mostly alone editing maybe with one other person it's not a super you know you're not going to be out and about in the hustle and bustle meeting people and I love being in that environment where you're out and meeting people to an extent sometimes I'm like okay I'm tired of this yeah but it gives but, you energy um, for sure Totally. It's, I craved that and I never got that with YouTube and I still don't. I get it a little more, but it's certainly not a built-in thing. It's something you have to uh, seek out. I think people um, working from home right now with the quarantine that are struggling with it, it's, uh, it's a little taste of what it's like to be a YouTuber. Just being stuck at oh, home, yeah. doing things on your own. That's that feeling that we have had for years now. And I'm not saying it's like so the worst thing ever, but you know, it's not like butterflies and rainbows like people think it is. Now we're going to be taking just one quick little break to say thank you to the sponsor of our very first episode, which is Care Of. So thank you, Care Of, for sponsoring today's episode. If you don't know, Care Of is a super cute brand that makes taking vitamins and supplements really easy as they conveniently deliver them to you. I found Care Of six months ago, actually, and before them, I didn't ever take any vitamins. I don't know why, but for some reason, it just wasn't something I ever thought about, and my mom never said, like, take your vitamins growing up, so... I didn't know anything about vitamins or supplements. I had no idea where to start. So I just never took any until I found Care Up. They make it really easy with their online quiz that asks you questions about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle. They're then able to take this information and recommend certain vitamins and supplements for your specific needs and goals. For example, one of my goals was getting better sleep. So they recommended magnesium to help with that. And I love that it comes in these convenient little daily packs. So they're really great for just grabbing and having on the go you can put one in your purse you can pack like five up if you're going on a trip or something like that they also have things like protein powders which i really like their protein powders and these things called quick sticks which are these powdered supplements i really like those too so definitely check out all of their products because i i just think all their products are really great quality and i really enjoy them so if you're interested in making a care of order, you can get 50% off your first order by going to takecareof.com and entering the code MLIFECRISIS50 at checkout. Once again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter MLIFECRISIS50 at checkout. Thank you again to Care Of for sponsoring this episode. Definitely. It, it's 
you start to think maybe I would be happier with a normal job because this is super lonely and unfulfilling and I don't have any structure. I don't know what to make anymore. That was kind of my thinking at that time. Um, But the money is good. That's very true. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but we had to be 19, 20, making probably six figures. Yeah, I think the first time we made like like $100,000 in a year, I think we were like 19, $100,000 That is, It's absurd. That's, yeah, it is. It's pretty crazy. And you can see why somebody would stick with it and not go to college and why it would make sense to go with that if it's all moving forward. YouTube was still kind of new then. It was becoming mainstream and people kind of started to want to become a YouTuber. But it's not like what it is now. There were still definitely people that would doubt it a lot and think, oh, you definitely need to get a degree. You need a backup. Where now, sometimes I'll go on YouTube and I saw a video the other day where this 15-year-old girl, 15 years old, she was making $50,000 a year as a 15-year-old. I mean, that would just be unheard of, you know, five, 10 years ago. Yeah, it's hard to walk away from something like that because, yeah, money's not everything and you should do something you love and the money shouldn't matter. But guess what? Money does matter in our society. Like you need to have a roof over your head. You need to be able to feed yourself. You want that security. And so totally we were chasing especially um, but even that started to not matter. It started to be like, I just, you know, you could offer me twenty thousand dollars to make a video about Barbies. And I would say no, because no. I can't do it anymore. Could not yep. do something like that. I mean, there there are studies about that. At a certain point, money doesn't make you happier. I think the number is about $80,000, probably depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. $80,000 in LA, you can live on and do pretty much, you can have a good life with that. And there's diminishing returns when you make more than that. So past that, you're not, you're, you are kind of thinking, eh, should I do this? I, I feel like I don't want this all to sound like privileged or something we're very lucky to be in that position obviously Mm -hmm. um but this is the reality of kind of how the quarter life crisis started it's um what do they call it not a not a golden goose i think it's the term golden handcuff let me look it up Mm, okay i don't remember what the exact term is but there is a term for when you oh i found it to the money golden handcuffs golden handcuffs a phrase first recorded in 1976 refers to financial allurements and benefits that have the objective to encourage highly compensated employees to remain within a company or organization instead of moving from company to company yeah that was what we had at the time golden handcuffs to the saturation we were golden handcuffed hard now you kind of get where everything was before my full-on quarter-life crisis so summer of 2017 monica decided to move back to seattle i decided to stay in la my channel was not doing well the views went from on average getting 100 150,000 to 10 or 20,000 and anytime there's a decrease that really is scary it feels like it's going to keep going down and that's your livelihood that's like owning a souvenir store and in the summer having a thousand people come in a day and buying things to then it hits October and like 20 people came in right it's scary so at that so at that time I thought I've had a good run maybe I'm done with this maybe I should go back to school but at the time I didn't really know what to do and I can't even explain how horrible it felt I felt as though my identity with YouTube was 
screwed up. I wasn't, I, I didn't have such a passion for that. There were all these different decisions of stuff I could do. Maybe go back to school, try and get an internship. I felt old to do all of those, even though I knew if I was going to do a different path, I had to do that. And I honestly felt like such a loser. I couldn't foresee a time of not feeling all anxious and worried about what I was going to do with my life. It just felt like it was never going to end. But of course it did. I just remember now I just think it's interesting that at the time I it really felt like to me this was how it was just going to be forever. It felt like I was always going to be questioning things so much. And I do question things sometimes, but not to that extent where I was just waking up with my heart beating really fast and feeling like I need to be productive. I need to figure out my life. It was that bad? Yeah, I felt horrible. I cried a lot. I was like, I didn't want to like tell people about it. Probably a good three months, I would wake up with my heart beating really fast every day. And that was the first time in my life I had really experienced something like that. I mean, of course, I'd been nervous for things before if you have to give a presentation or at a gymnastics meet. But that was the first time I felt like I had really a level of anxiety that was kind of scary because I could I didn't know how to turn it off. It was so weird to me and I felt like oh I finally know what people are talking about when they say they have anxiety almost for no reason. I do think there was a reason for it especially looking back now it's easy for me to see why. There was a lot of uncertainty at that time but at that time I would be so confused why am I waking up like this like it just it was very very uncomfortable. Um, How did you work through that? Part of it was the sudden change that you moved back to Seattle and I felt way more lonely in LA and I felt like you kind of knew what you were doing also and I was a bit unsure so I'd kind of compare myself a little bit and I also felt as though everyone else I knew kind of knew what they were doing so I felt behind and confused and all of that. What really helped was just deciding to try something, anything. So... It almost didn't matter. Getting a little more structure in my day. Also realizing that your feelings are temporary. So if I was feeling anxious, I would just remind myself, I'm not going to feel like this forever. And that helped quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I still remind myself that sometimes with just anything. If you're feeling sad about something, that feeling is temporary. If it's something really extreme, even after a few months, you'll notice that you feel almost back to your set point of how you feel normally okay so I so I really didn't know what to do so I started taking classes at Santa Monica College I thought I'm gonna see if I can transfer to UCLA or something like that and finish college and figure this out because my YouTube channel is not doing well and I just have I always had a higher standard for myself I would not satis- be satisfied with a YouTube channel with getting 10 or 20,000 views, unless it was about a topic that I really believed in. But at the time, all the videos I had been making previously were so superficial, not deep at all, nothing, nothing interesting, (laughs) you know. If that's not working, I'm sure there's something that I could do that I'm better at that would also just be better for society because we don't need more YouTubers. Oh my gosh, you're so right. We really don't. We don't need Um, more YouTubers, TikTokers, Instagrammers. We need more doctors and nurses and... So I started taking classes part-time at Santa Monica College. When Monica and I were in high school, we did a dual enrollment program. So I was 
essentially a junior, but I had a few credits that didn't transfer, so I needed to finish that. Once I started looking into it, it looked like a very long path to actually finish college. I took some classes. I would meet with the school counselors there to figure out what other classes I needed. And for each college, it was super different. And you would have to apply and then you wouldn't get in the next year. And I probably wouldn't have finished college until I was 27 at that point. And were you still making videos while kind of re-entering this college phase? Yes. I was still uploading once a week, sometimes twice a week. Um, I started to switch up my videos though because like I said, I was just so over the type of videos I was making. I tried to think of, okay, what do I actually have an interest in? And over that time, I got really into photography. Like I just thought it was really fun to go shoot photos with people and take photos and I thought I was decent at it. So I made videos about how to take better photos basically. (laughs) And they did fairly well. I wouldn't say they did amazing. They They did about the same as how things were going at the time. It was really freeing though to realize I could upload a video about really whatever topic I think is interesting, not what I think people want to see or what maybe younger viewers would want like I had in the past. I had always been so afraid to do that. So with the photography videos, that was kind of the first time I really decided, you know what, I'm just going to make the videos that I want to make. It sustained my livelihood, you know? And and it was like a risk for you, like you tried something different. Yeah, it was definitely scary to upload even the first photography video. And that sounds not that, that probably sounds so funny now because every video I upload on my channel is so random. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they're not the same at all. Um, But at the time it was scary. I felt very locked into just the lifestyle stuff. Um, But I don't anymore. I don't know. So So you're going to college, you're still making videos. How long were you going to Santa Monica College? I took part time classes there for a year and a half. And why'd you stop? I stopped because I wanted to work on Shutter. Also, I realized the college thing would take forever and not really be worth it. None of the colleges had a very clear path to go finish. uh, Like, okay, so I would be paying for college myself, right? And to go to really the only option that sounded very appealing was to go to UCLA because in-state it's very reasonable. I believe it's $12,000 a year, not including room and board. Something like USC, that's like 60000 When you're paying for that yourself, it just seems so ridiculous. But UCLA didn't even have any majors that I resonated with. They didn't have business. They had economics. They didn't have anything that seemed like the right fit. I knew I didn't want to move out of LA. And at the same time, I started working on Shutter. And if you're not familiar with Shutter, it's a website that I made with my friend Anne-Marie. So you went through a year and a half of taking college classes part-time and still working on your videos. And then you found naturally through like taking a risk and trying something new, you found this problem that you were having that you wanted to solve, right? And that was you needed help making videos. Right. So Shutter helped you. It's still up, but I'm not actively working on it right now. And we'll do a whole episode about that probably. I met Anne-Marie and we both had the same idea and we decided let's actually do this. So we got into this sort of pre-accelerator program called Grid 110. They don't give you any funding, but they give you an office space and like these weekly classes on how to get started with your company. I felt like, you know what, this is my school now. I'm I'm done with that school. It sounds like I impulsively quit, but really things just didn't really make sense. And 
years later now I don't regret that decision at all uh, school will always be there I think if I really wanted if I really need to get a degree which these days aren't as important as they used to be I could just do it online. I'm happy I did it because at the time I just needed the structure. I needed a distraction from YouTube because I wanted it to be a fun thing again. I needed mm. something else to focus on so that YouTube was my hobby again. So I started to like it again. And I learned some stuff funny enough in those random classes I took that I still kind of applied today. So I don't regret it. It, In some ways you might think, oh, waste of time a little bit. But you know what? I don't think so. I think that's interesting to point out. I think a lot of people find benefit in school because we all just need structure in our lives and that gives you immediate structure. And so if you're someone right now who is kind of grappling with whatever you're going through, finding structure somehow is going to help you. And Definitely. Even if it's like it me. signing up for, I mean, right now you can't go to a fitness class in person, but like signing up for an online live stream, that's something in the past that I personally done where I need structure in my life and just having something that you have to go do. Yeah, it's going to be really helpful for you. Yeah, you don't really realize how much you need structure until you don't have any of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of similar to when you were a kid and you're on summer break and it's really fun for two weeks and then after that you get bored and aimless and we all need purpose in our lives Mm -hmm. and in school we're not taught how to work for ourselves we're not taught how to structure our days ourselves and so if you're starting to work for yourself especially at the age of 22 or whatever it was it's really hard it took time I feel that now I'm pretty good at it but it's kind of hard to work for yourself structure and self-discipline they're they're two hard things to anyway so Anne Marie and I were working on Shutter, and that took up so much of my time for a full summer I was hardly uploading because I was working on Shutter, and I was very excited about it and I learned a lot in doing that in working with other people. I loved going to the co-working space to work. I felt like I kind of had like a traditional job for a little while and I really liked it. I liked my little commute. Um, it, we would work out of a co-working space called Cross Campus in downtown LA. It had coffee, kombucha on tap, all that. Did they That's have what beer? Got me addicted to kombucha. It di- they did. Wow. And the beer was free. That's nice. <laughs> Just kind of What funny. kind of beer was it? It was local beers. I don't know. I didn't really have the beer hardly uh, ever. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, it's nice to have, but oh, so fattening. Yeah, and it makes you sluggish. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they had wine on tap, I would have been down for oh that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I really liked that experience and I learned a lot of, about working with people Anne Marie and I would have to be so direct with each other and have just uncomfortable conversations. Wow. We would have to do a ton of outreach to people we wanted to be on that app. And it it kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone. No, it definitely, it pushed me out of my comfort zone. At the end, we had to do this pitch, this whole pitch night. Anne Marie and I would go to events in LA that we were invited to because we are quote unquote influencers. And we would bring a camera and we would offer to take photos on my camera and email them to people, the different influencers there and say, oh, you should check out Shutter. Like we would talk to them about it. And it was so hard at first to go up to people or the photographers at the event and bring it up and kind of like pitch your idea to this random stranger. But it pushed me to do that. I feel like I could do that now. It's 
it's yeah um it's like going door to door selling just like it kind of is but not as bad yeah no not as bad definitely not the thing is we had the camera so we had something to offer them like oh i can take some like really good photos of you and send them to you and then we just like casually bring it up if they want it we weren't like here's my business card check it out you know yeah well sometimes the photographers i'd be a little more like that just because i it wanted to keep it short so doing shutter learned a lot in that we didn't find it grew really as fast as we had hoped and marie and i also we really had the same skill sets and we wouldn't agree on everything and so we weren't really optimizing our time we would spend a lot of time just discussing things but it's not like she was a software engineer that could do stuff and I could go market it that's really like the prime eventually we disbanded that but the website is still up so if you ever need a photographer check it out yeah it works for sure and you could always go back to it yeah definitely I still think it's such a good idea and still a need that I have like finding freelancers same but with the quarantine it's probably not (laughs) something I'm gonna be working on yeah my freelancer is my selfie tripod with a bluetooth remote right now yeah honestly it works pretty well though how long were you working on shutter and then you kind of just correct me if i'm wrong but you kind of disbanded because there wasn't a lot of momentum going on you realized you guys weren't good partners together you kind of just like needed a break from it totally and i also realized it was taking up a lot of time and i wasn't uploading as much youtube is still you know at the time my main income Mm -hmm. but from that experience did did it start giving you like that confidence boost that you needed you weren't as much like it definitely did everything I did. Anything that I just took some sort of action towards gave me like a little more self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. Or- it's like even though it was kind of a failure right now, I mean, you could always go back to it. It's like you learned a lot and did something new and it gave you that confidence to be like, hey, I can go back to YouTube and do something new. I felt totally refreshed with YouTube at that point. I really think I had burned out in 2017 and working on Shutter and kind of going to school gave me a break. I was still uploading a bit, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't my main focus and I needed that. I needed something different to work on. It really gave me the, uh, what's the word? It re-inspired me going back to it. I was excited about it again. So when I went back to making videos really full-time, I had all these ideas and things actually started working. I remember the exact video that I did that I thought, oh, whoa, I did something different. I, 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 don't, I think there's something here. And it was a fitness video I made in 2018, in December. And it was just very real and very honest. It wasn't at all... It wasn't even really, it was more documentary style, like the videos I do now. It had cool editing, cool music. I tried to challenge myself in not doing that formula of here's a talking intro and then here's this and next this and that sort of boring, that predictable formula just felt totally stale to me, but I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do. So I just got a bunch of cool B-roll, sat down on my computer and downloaded music that I loved and I just kind of locked into my computer and ended up with something cool. I actually for 
once in a long time really liked what I had come up with. So I was super excited about that. I knew I was doing something right because I wanted to show people I know in real life and get feedback. I was actually so excited about it. It wasn't a video that I rushed through and just wanted to upload for the sake of uploading. I just, I really liked it. And I thought to myself, this is how I need to feel every time I make a video. And that was the start of that sort of documentary style video. Then I went back for the holidays, you know. I really feel like 2019 was actually a big year for me. 2017 was horrible. 2018 was a setup and was better. 2019 was awesome. And now 2020, just what even is going on? Yeah, it's like exploding <laughs> for you. Yeah, I feel really weird talking like only about myself so much, but I guess that's just what this episode that is. That is it. We want to hear. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that fitness video even though the thumbnail and the title weren't really that, they were kind of clickbaity, but the style of the video was the first one I did that was kind of different. So I started just taking more risks with my YouTube channel. I decided that I wanted to do a video about the founder of Dote. I know that Dote has had some controversy, whatever. This was before that. This was much before that, yeah. And I just always thought it'd be such a cool idea to document how a female founder runs our company because there's only there's a very small percentage of them and I think it's just very inspiring so I was nervous to ask Lauren from Dote and Marie and I when we were working on Shutter, we're just talking to her on the phone about something else related to Shutter, and I decided to ask if I could come film her and interview her and record a day in her life and record employees and Marie and I went to San Francisco and we just drove up there. It wasn't like a sponsored video or anything like that. I just decided to put a ton of effort. I shot for two days. It was uncomfortable. You're going into this office. Like, it's a little bit awkward because, yeah. you know, everyone works there every day and you're this person coming in to film them. Feels no like one... your first day at school. That was also kind of a start in the right direction of listening to what kind of videos do I actually want to make, not what kind of videos do people want to see. Another YouTuber, Sarah Dietschy, she has such a good philosophy on this. Shout out to Sarah Dietschy. I think she's one Big of the shout out. smartest YouTubers. Love her. We plan on having her on this podcast. She's the um, best person ever. Yeah, in she all is of New awesome. York. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember her saying her kind of philosophy with YouTube is one for them, one for you. So you do one video that you think people want to see, you think people, you think will do well, and then you do one video that you just want to do for you, selfishly, you think is a cool idea. And that's a good balance of, you know, not going off the rails and being super artsy and abstract, but also not only doing it for views. It's kind of the perfect balance, yeah, actually. Because that's a philosophy everyone can take to, no matter what your job is, there's always going to be like something that inside you, you would rather do and maybe it fits with your integrity more. But the general public is always going to want something a little bit different. And so catering to that a little bit for them, a little bit for you is something I think anyone can take away to their job or their life. Totally. I think that's really important in not burning out. Yeah. So after I made that fitness video, the video about Dote, I made a video about the founder of Scentbird. I um, Did the Dote video do well right off the bat? Because that was no. such a different video oh, for you no. too. It's like you weren't in it as much. And like YouTube is not used to, you know, someone uploading something 
not really about right. them. So that video was kind of funny because I got invited to screen something at Buffer Festival and I was so nervous. I was like, I feel like I have to do this, but I'm so nervous like to screen something on a big screen to a bunch of people. So I definitely didn't want to be in the video because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. Not for this first project, at least. Um, I decided that was going to be the video. So that's what pushed me to really like do it and finish it. The video did so bad at first. It got 10,000 views, which for my channel is bad. I know that probably a lot of people are like, hey, that's good. And that would be such a for my bummer. Channel. Like you worked so hard and then you upload it. So hard. And it bombs. Oh, it probably made, I mean, the AdSense earnings was probably $20. <laughs> it's always like and such a sad feeling. But I also, you know what I think about is I'm like, whatever, at least maybe I dedicated a week of my life to this and it bombed. At least I'm not like a director that just made a movie and spent like a whole year making a movie and that bombed. Totally. And um, I, it was kind of a bummer, but I was I always figure with YouTube I upload a video every week. If one doesn't do well, whatever. There's always next week. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't stress about videos not doing well anymore. So that video did not do well for quite a while, but the comments were incredible. People loved it. Like, I... I think that people really felt that it was kind of more of my passion. I even had this one random guy that I met at a bar. It was like Ooh, super Shelby's random, right? dating life? <laughs> it wasn't even really like we got lunch one day and I thought, is this a date? I don't I um, can't even Pre-pandemic, tell. Shelby went on so many dates. Not that many. You go on no dates. I've literally been on like one date in my life, I feel like. Okay, no, you go on no I dates. I don't think I go on like that many dates. The people around me go on dates as well. So going on one or two a month, I don't know. No, it's not bad at all. Like it's good to like date and put effort towards that. Yeah, and we'll talk about that because dating is something I didn't even really like do that much until, I don't know, 22 or 3. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. The dope video. The dope video didn't do well at first, but eventually it did start getting traction and it started to get views. Which is kind of weird for YouTube. Oh, and that guy, I sent him the video because he was like asking about, I forget why, but his response was really like, I feel like you found your calling sort of thing. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Whoa. Um, He's hyping you up. (laughs) Did he get a second date? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) No. (laughs) Please don't tell Um, me you ghosted him. No. Okay, that's nice. I think we still follow each other on Instagram. Oh, that's nice. But he realized at the time that I was probably still kind of in a quarter-life crisis a little bit. Right. So, okay. So it started doing well. That's exciting. Yeah. So it started doing well. So I did another with the founder of Scentbird. That was another one that was a risk because I... um, And I helped you with that one. We went to New York. Monica Monica helped me with that one. You know, that that felt like my calling for me too. Shoot. I love filming other stuff. It's fun. It's... I love the documentary styles about founders of companies just in general because to me it's so interesting to learn about so the scentbird video at first didn't do that well either and now it's at almost a million views the comments of that one i was so motivated like i felt like it actually did kind of inspire people Mm -hmm. and it had more of a meaning man i want to do more videos like this but all the founders of companies are cooped up there's so many things i want to like go travel to film right now and i can't i know it sucks basically i just started taking more risks with my youtube channel i started uploading things that may have seemed a little random just to see how they would do house tours videos about founders of companies i bought a tesla uh tech videos i really got into tech videos i started making videos about things that actually interested me and i found that i had so much more just energy because i i don't i 
I guess because I was doing stuff I really enjoyed. It's crazy. Of course, there's parts of it you don't enjoy. It's still work to make a video, but it doesn't feel as much like work when you like the outcome and you're excited about what you're talking about. And yeah, is this all making sense about how I got over the quarter life crisis? Yes, it's absolutely here. I'll sum it up and how it's making sense to me and hopefully it makes sense to everyone else. Cool. You were 13 years old. You started something that was fun when you were 13. You started growing up. You weren't actually growing within your job though you're doing the same thing you got in this crisis you realize you don't want to be doing this anymore so you went back to school and decided to take a risk and from there then you decided to take a risk and you went and jumped into trying to create this company and then that started to give you this confidence to go back to youtube and actually make videos about something that you love and they actually to your surprise they started doing well so you went from or sorry, I just bumped my mic from. So you went from feeling stuck doing something you didn't love to getting to a place where you're successful doing something that you love and getting there, it took time. It took time to build your confidence. It took taking risks. It was a journey and I feel you on that. Like when we get into my millennial life crisis next week, I had to go through a whole journey too and I think it took about two years. So yeah, it took two years. I would say it took three months for me to stop feeling so kind of horrible uh, yeah. Well, the, okay. It took it took three months for the peak of it to stop feeling so horrible. Of you had just moved, I felt super honestly lonely. Mm-hmm. Me and Kirsten, our friend from home, went to Europe for three weeks. That was an amazing distraction. I don't think you necessarily need to go to Europe if you're having a quarter life crisis. You don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. But okay, it was it was a nice distraction. It didn't help me get over the crisis, but I needed time to process my new life of being all on my own in LA. Thinking about what I was going to do from afar did help me come back refreshed and figure things out. But again, you know, you don't need to go travel abroad. Um, yeah, are you? We have, we're gonna I have can't a whole tell if about you're that. coming to a conclusion that traveling helped you find yourself or if it didn't. It didn't. Okay, yeah, we have very <laughs> severe feelings on that. We are going to share oh, in yeah. an episode how we think travel can be super overhyped. So stay tuned for that one. Um, but yeah, I think a big takeaway from this is if you're at a point where you're going through this crisis, you're not happy with your path right now, it's going to take time to get out of it. You can't just be in this pit of despair and not feeling confident and then one day wake up and be fine and tell yourself I'm fine it's life doesn't work like that it's gonna take time to try new things and take risks and build yourself back up and that's okay and that's you know what we went through totally and also important to remember that if you're feeling really anxious about it honestly that was like the lowest point I've probably ever had in my life Mm -hmm. if I don't think I've been ever depressed or anything you know never diagnosed with that but that would be the closest because I just yeah I felt pretty terrible but it's like it wasn't a chemical imbalance type of depression in your brain but a situational one where you just felt like gosh I don't know where to go from here so you wouldn't like do anything which is Uh, a depressing kind of way to live yeah there was some time where I felt like I didn't really do anything about it but I hit a point probably, well, I was still making videos, so it wasn't like I was laying in bed all day kind of thing, but it's like I wasn't doing anything to change my situation to make it better, and then I hit a point where I, I just kind of had to, and I started small, like I started just, okay, what if, what if I went to school? started looking at stuff. Uh, okay, what if I just signed up for one class? Okay, 
let's figure this out you know like it doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing it's you can start sort of small dip your toe in if you need to or you can dive in yeah. head first it really depends on the person i've realized i'm much more of a dip my toe in kind of person not a dive in head first which is interesting because you did diving i know i love diving though <laughs> <laughs> but um gotta dip that toe in first though i guess yeah uh, you hear about people who sold everything and moved somewhere and Ooh, who do, do these they do these big dramatic things and that works for some people I don't know if I'm one of those people yeah. <laughs> basically yeah you know all right um, so that's so that about sums it up for your millennial life crisis that you yeah gone and, through, right right and I can say that I'm so uh it wasn't fun to go through it, but I, where I'm at now, I don't think I would have gotten there without that. I don't know if I would have pushed myself to make different kinds of content and take those risks and try different things mm-hmm. if I hadn't gone through that period of uncertainty. And now I think my content's a lot better. I like my life in general a lot more. So I, looking back, I just, I, I guess I can appreciate the process of going through it, especially now that I'm not really in it. Yeah. And look at how I've transformed as a person and as a YouTuber. I think it's and like night and feel day. Feel much better about it. Yeah, and I, yeah, I feel like this last year too. I've looked at what you've done, and I can't even believe it. I can't. I'm so proud to call you my twin sister. And like, oh, thank you. When people come up to me and are like, "Oh, I like your videos," or like, "Oh, you make YouTube videos," I literally tell them, "Oh, don't watch mine. Like, you should check out my sisters, though. Like, they're much better. She's really talented." Yours are so good, though. I don't know what you're saying. You know, if we could, if I could film you and you have your videos, I feel like we could make like the most incredible. Do you want to do that? Because I'm down. Should I just move <laughs> back to LA for a bit? Well, we were talking about. So, uh, truth be told, this is our fourth time filming episode one of this podcast. Um, we said like too much. I said like too much, and the other one. And we just and we went on a lot of tangents. And we were yeah, we we're just kind of nervous about it. Like we want to make sure it's right, and it just didn't feel right. So we had to you know just redo it. But uh, in the third episode or in the third try of filming it or recording it sorry I'm just all messing up now we talked about how like we both would consider moving to New York for a bit oh yeah I mean that would be fun how, how are you feeling today how are you feeling with the quarantine and everything how's it going um with the quarantine I, I kind of feel bad for saying this but I don't feel that really bad I mm-hmm. feel very set into a routine I'm super lucky that I have an office space in my home mm-hmm. and working from home all the time anyway. It wasn't really that hard to stay productive for me. Of course, there were things like there were trips that got canceled and disappointments. And it's been weird to not be able to go and see your friends the way that you could before. Mm-hmm. But I can recognize that the privilege that we have lucky position yeah yeah Yeah, it's been pretty good I've honestly been like lazier like for sure Mm -hmm. like I woke up at 9 a.m this morning and pre-quarantine I would have tried to wake up at like 7 and that's how I was the first couple weeks of it there's a lot of just like letting myself chill if I want and like kind of letting myself like do what I want like getting work done and being productive where it counts but I've definitely been chilling more than I would if we weren't in this whole situation yeah and I think that's fine Me too. It's just, this is such a weird weird time and whatever gets you through it if that's being productive if that's cutting yourself some slack don't beat yourself up over not being as productive as you normally are because this is not like 
the ideal circumstances for productivity yeah so i think it's okay and once things go back to normal eventually we just actually got oh, yesterday that uh notified that our lockdown is going to be until like august probably oh really okay, yeah wow. so, so i'm sure that. ours will be too mm-hmm. but when things eventually go back to normal you can um get back to your good habits i've been reading a book all about habits i'm obsessed mm-hmm. with it love a good self-help book all right enough about the negative yeah (laughs) should we get into one thing we wanted to do on this podcast was just tell our millennial life crisis of the week just like a little thing that we're grappling over i don't know why i'm saying grappling today let's start with yours because we just talked about me for like 45 minutes and i can't take it anymore okay so my millennial (laughs) life crisis of the week although this really was a month ago but i just have to share it because it's a pretty big deal to me is uh buying an airstream just uprooting my life and deciding like I want to buy this tin can for six thousand dollars and turn it into a tiny home on wheels love it (laughs) yeah I I really just want to explore like alternative ways of living and my dad is fully on board with like honestly doing most of the work restoring it so you guys are renovating it you bought a gutted airstream yeah we bought a gutted airstream there's a lot to do we hired a welder so the welder is about to get to work on stuff um I think it's a great quarantine project. It is. So yeah, that's just been, it it was, it was like, oh my God, we're stuck in the house. I need something to do. Like, I was going to say, what was the internal crisis that like pushed you to do that? Well, I would just start having these days where I, I would just be on the computer like all day long and I couldn't take it. I was like, I need to work on something like physical. So Mm. that was that. Well, I'm super excited about it. I can't wait for that oh thing to be done. Oh my gosh, me too. It's like probably a year away. <laughs> It'll be great. Oh, one thing yeah. though that like really kind of gets under my nerves is um, I've been having a hard time dealing with like negative comments. I don't know why I used to not let them get to me and I'll get like a thousand. You have. You have been letting I them get know, to you. I know. And I'll get a thousand nice comments and then like five negative comments and it'll ruin my day. Yeah, that's why I stopped vlogging for a bit. I was just so sick of the negativity, but... I uploaded yeah. a vlog like two days ago. Okay, I, I've i actually started vlogging more for the first time in forever because quarantine. I know I'm loving it. Are you watching that? Yeah, I, I tune in. Oh, okay. I'm surprised like people are, are liking them. To me, they seem so boring, <laughs> but that's because it's my day-to-day life of me being stuck inside or if it's an exciting day, going to the grocery store, going to the park. Oh, shoot. Whoa. I have to go to the grocery um, store today. I'm going to buy halibut. I'm like really hyped. Ooh, yum. Um, okay, so my crisis of the week. I have been thinking about getting an office space here in LA. I've realized we've talked about my videos evolving over time. There was a time where my background was my bedroom. So a bed and it would look cute. And now with the videos I'm making, my bed in the back is just straight up inappropriate it's so random yeah you've gotten like so much more professional in your videos like you need to level up and you deserve it yeah I can afford it it's just it's another risk another it is and I I regretted my office space I yeah you didn't use yours very much but 
yours was the lighting was weird One. and the parking situation was annoying the parking was an absolute nightmare it was you never wanted to go to it because the oh parking my gosh was yeah just such a hassle. you had to move your car every four hours it was only like city spots that you had to like pay a meter which of that mm. year of having my office i gotta say i'm really proud of the fact that my car never got towed even though on one side of the street cars got towed every day and i never mm. got a ticket so i'm really proud of myself yeah also the audio there were a few things wrong with that office so i um i was able to tour one without anyone there so it was all social distanced okay and amazing windows super bright the rooms were just kind of small and it was it's eighteen hundred dollars a month which you know for the area it's a a perfect area great area the parking situation is not horrible it's one of the most expensive areas in the whole country yeah it's um, like you it's a it's it's a i would live deal. in that area maybe i'll move into the office shoot <laughs> um so i'm kind of deciding if the thing is i can get a good deal in an office right now because nobody wants to lease them and i can still use it with just me or my roommate lauren helping me film because mm-hmm. we've been quarantining together so ideally i would like to have the office for bringing in people to interview and making these bigger and better videos but i could still use it right now and have a a space but i just don't know if it's worth it i'm afraid that i would do kind of what you did and not use it as much as i expect yeah Um, i mean although i will say you could have rented that out like you did rent it out once right for a good amount like mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm, pretty solid yeah um so I am, I'm sleeping on it. I'm still thinking about it. I'm not like in a state of crisis, but I right. am oh, kind of like, is it worth it? I don't know. I want to do it, but I'm not sure. You're kind of yeah, yeah nervous. But you know, that actually, that that's a good segue actually into, we're also going to read a couple of your guys' millennial life crises. And this one mm-hmm. sounds a lot like one that I read in the emails that we got. So if you guys want to be featured, millennial life at millennialifepodcast at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, so this this life crisis very much has to do with like making a big decision like moving or something like that and feeling nervous and not knowing if it's the right thing to do so i'm gonna Mm -hmm. read this one because i really liked it i'm really proud of really really proud of tally okay so we got this email it's it had the tagline wtf i just bought a house naturally i had to open that i was like oh my gosh girl what So the email reads, I'm 24 years old and just put an offer in on my first house at 10.30 a.m. this morning. 30 minutes ago, the seller accepted my offer. That is such a quick turnaround. Like, wow, 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 wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, I should be happy, but I'm extremely scared and nervous. To be completely honest, I'm totally second-guessing my decision to do this. I say this because I don't really see myself staying here in Kansas for more than a few years. I love to travel. I want to move elsewhere eventually. My original thought process was to turn this house into a rental once... Once I'm done with it, once I'm done with it, but now all of a sudden that seems daunting. Monica, I know you just recently bought a home. Did you have any similar feelings? Is it normal to feel this way or am I crazy? Best wishes to you and Shelby. Tally. All right. I loved this question because within this last year, I did two really big things that totally made me feel this way too. One was buying a house and one was getting a dog. Those are are big life decisions to do something like that love the dog and the house love the love the dog and the house and i have to tell you 
the night before both of these decisions, so the night before we were going to put an offer in on the house, I had this same feeling. I just felt so nervous because it is such a huge decision. It's the biggest purchase you're going to make in your life. You're like locked into this contract, having a mortgage and all these things. And I was really nervous. And yeah, I was second guessing it too. And I just remember going to sleep being like, I don't know, this would be a lot easier to just say, you know what, never mind and just not do it. It just, life would be easier that way. But I just did it though. I don't know. Also, a lot of people don't know we actually bought the house together. So I'm Oh, I'm people don't know that? Yes. I don't I don't think they do. I never talk about it. Maybe we'll but, do like a finance um, episode. I definitely had some feelings of, oh, I don't know. But also, I wasn't going to live in the house. For me, it was purely for the investment. So right. So I was, I actually didn't even see the house in person until we had closed on it. Yeah, which Isn't is crazy? crazy. Like, I'm. It's crazy, kind of, but yeah. I wasn't going to live in it. So I didn't. You didn't really. Get I trusted yeah. your judgment oh, also. Thanks, thanks. thanks. Yeah, so um, so I had that feeling, and I had it actually even more with getting a dog. Like, the night before we were going to go meet Oliver, I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know if I should be doing this. Like, it would be so much easier to just not, and just say never mind and not do it. But once again, there's something in me, like, once I get stuck on something, I get obsessed, and I have to go through with things. And I usually don't regret things that I go through with, and they're also always really impulsive and like oh. happened so quickly. <laughs> the house like Well, the house wasn't impulsive. Yeah. I mean, you were looking for a while like yeah. But it was like literally knowing I wanted to submit an offer happened within like walking in the door of the house and then getting all the way up to the rooftop. Me and mom went, "Oh my gosh, we have to call Shelby. We need this house." So that's good though you knew yeah. it was the house you don't want to be iffy about it that's very true um, but even though i knew it, it was the house like, i was still so nervous for sure yeah it sounds like she's thinking about it being a rental and i think that's a good investment yeah i'm sure it seems a little scary because there's some uncertainties like who are the tenants gonna be but if i think if if you've gotten to the point where you can buy a house you're clearly pretty responsible and have stuff figured out i think that you can handle it and one thing to remember is with things like facebook marketplace these days it it seems like at least in la and seattle finding roommates or tenants isn't this huge challenge i was i don't know the area but yeah what was your experience monica i felt the i literally tally i can't even describe to you like i felt the exact same way and i was nervous about it too like going into buying the house shelby was like you better get roommates in there and i was like yeah totally mm-hmm. going to but in my head i was like <laughs> oh i don't know if i will i don't know it might be really hard um no i was like i will find them if you don't no, it was <laughs> literally so easy i put up a posting on facebook marketplace and found two wonderful roommates who were all quarantining together. They're great. No complaints. They're awesome. They're my friends. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, all been good. And it's like, I got like 25 messages in like a day. Like you really have your pickings and you can, yeah. you can really kind well, of, yeah. Figure I out. even remember where I live in this rental. I wanted to stay and my old roommates wanted to leave. And I was stressing about finding new roommates because I really like this place, but it's like almost five grand a month because it's four bedrooms technically. So I put a listing on Facebook Marketplace and yeah, I got like 50 people yeah. inquiring. So you can weed through even though, yeah, they're, you don't know them. There's a good chance you're going to find someone that you vibe with. Everyone's a stranger before you know them. Or, you know, yeah. like just because it's the internet isn't as scary as it used to be. I, I hear roommate horror stories, but I've actually never had a horror story. Same kind of. Only like you get a vibe five people when you meet someone in person. Me, it's whatever. You got to feel it out. Oh, <laughs> you you kind of do. Yeah. Um, um, 
But I think that's really a smart investment and really cool, Tally, that you're doing that. Yeah, I'm excited for you. I think you're doing the right thing. And it's just natural to feel nervous. But, you know, going through the process of eventually, you know, renting the house out is going to be something you learn from. And housing is always in demand. And it's actually surprisingly not as difficult as you think it's going to be. So we're so so excited for you. Yes, very cool. Okay, so we have another one. This one is an audio recording. So we'll play the recording. Hey, Monica and Shelby. My name is Nicole. I am 23 years old and I live in Boulder, Colorado. I have been watching your guys' videos since you all were in high school. I think I found your videos through the prom scavenger hunt video or some sort of collab giveaway. Um, I wanted to send in my crisis. I don't know if this is how the voice memos are supposed to go or not, but I recently graduated from university with a degree in public relations and graphic design, and I landed what on paper seemed to be my dream job. I was curating social media feeds, taking photos, graphic designing, working with the PR agency to host events for influencers in the area, um, and working at events and posting on their social media feeds and all of those sorts of things. And on paper, it looks like the most amazing job ever. But I found the day today sitting in my cubicle, I was completely bored and felt really isolated and just did not enjoy it. Um, and I had liked my internships before. So I was actually just really shocked that I didn't like the day today of this job. And I was recently for low due to COVID-19. The hotel unfortunately had to shut down. Um, and I am at this crossroads of trying to find a job in marketing or PR um, and social media during this crazy time and not sure if I actually want to pursue that in my career. I've always thought about being a therapist and I don't know if I should go back to school and get my master's in therapy or I should give marketing another try at a different place. Um, Just wanted to send this in. I don't know if any of the listeners relate to this, but I would just love to hear what y'all think um, about that. So thank you guys again so much for doing the podcast and um, I love your guys' videos and I'm sure the podcast is just going to be even as great and I can't wait to get to hear a deeper look into your guys' lives um, so have a good day bye okay okay wait first of all that's the first time we've had that and that was so fun to listen to I know like, hi Nicole thank you for your it. submission first of all I want to say I'm really sorry to hear you got furloughed from your job that really sucks and yeah my heart goes out to like anyone that's gotten furloughed from their jobs and I'm really sorry that happened I think it's cool that you're already having this different opportunist outlook on it where you're saying, you know what, this could be a good thing. Maybe I need to rethink what I want to do with my future at all if this is even what I want to be doing. So anyone else maybe in the same situation, maybe it is a blessing in disguise. Like maybe you need to rethink like, is this what I want to be doing? So first I want to say I'm really like proud of having such an optimistic mindset and I'm sorry for what you're going through. Totally. So the crossroads is looking into another marketing job or going back to school to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a really hard decision because school is obviously a big commitment. It is. I wonder what it is you don't like about this job because it sounds like you liked your internships and also what it is that maybe it's just the day to day of this job. But maybe it's just an unfulfilling job in general. It's yeah. it's hard to say. That's definitely possible. My roommate, Lauren, she had a job that sounds very similar to that, like almost the same. And funny enough, she went to college in Boulder, Colorado. So she felt super, she felt the same way. She hated that job. She started to feel 
like it took up her whole life and she had no energy and she was so determined to not do it anymore both of us have never had a job like that so i don't know exactly what it's like but marketing jobs definitely sound demanding and pretty thankless like you're doing something important you're marketing for a company but since it's a business they're not really personally thanking you and maybe you're not getting that fulfillment that you want whereas if you're a therapist you could be really stepping in and helping someone's life and that might be more fulfilling to you so i definitely see how this is a tough decision for you. And I think one of the biggest things to really take into account is, you know, you felt isolated in that cubicle you're in or in that office you're in. And that that is something that, you know, you do not want to live your life like hating going into work and feeling isolated and not liking the environment. So I think it is a big thing to ask yourself if you went into being a therapist, would you have like a happy inviting office? Would you not feel isolated like how would it make you feel i wonder if it's possible to shadow a therapist obviously not right now it's kind of tough because obviously it's such a private thing people probably don't want someone in but i it might be possible another thing to do there are so many interesting youtubers now doctors lawyers that do day in the life videos i bet there's a therapist i bet there are people that can talk about their experience and what that's like It's so hard to know until you actually do it. I think it would be good to look at the day-to-day of a therapist and think realistically if you like that. Because that's going to be a draining job too. Like, that would be like mentally draining to be helping people. Um, But it'd be a really noble and cool job and maybe it's a lot more fulfilling. I'm sure it's a very fulfilling job. At the end of the day, you probably could be happy either way. Mm -hmm. I think you could probably find a job that you're happy with that's a better environment, but I feel like you probably could go ahead and become a therapist and find an environment with that. Like there are many outcomes that of your life that you could enjoy. Yeah. I think there's not just one right path. That's my opinion. I would say just from my own personal experience of like when I felt confused on what I wanted to do, I would say like give it maybe one more chance maybe if you can find another job and get employed during this time give it another chance and see how it goes and then if you still really don't like it then you'll really really know that it's not for you um and that might feel a little bit more like a safety net for you versus just taking the risk right away of going back to school that is true because i mean if you if we look at what i did (laughs) in this podcast I kind of tried school, although different. I didn't have a good clear... You have a good clear, you know, you want to become a therapist. Yeah. Um, I I found a way to enjoy making videos again. Maybe there's a way for you to enjoy marketing. Again. Yeah. And that's how I came to the same conclusion. Like, I made YouTube videos. I thought I wanted to stop. I applied for a job. We're going to get into that episode. We're going to get into my crisis next week, more about that. But, you know, I didn't get that job. I went back to YouTube and I found my love for it again. And I'm glad that I stuck with it. So just from my experience, I would try and stick something out a little bit more. And you might, yeah, you might have a better experience. I don't know. Okay. So that about wraps it up for the first episode. If you guys want to be featured, send in your submissions, audio or text is fine, to millenniallifepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. That's it, right? Yes, that's it. Okay. 
Um, Go rate us or whatever. We'd love if you guys on whatever platform you're listening to this on, if you could hit the follow button or subscribe or anything like that. Also, you can go follow us on Instagram at Millennial Life Crisis. Um, On there, we like to be interactive too. We were giving away some merch this last week. So we do fun things on there. You don't want to miss out on that. And uh, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, yeah. hope that you enjoyed. I mean, I think if you listen to this far along... um, Hoping so. Yeah. Okay. See you guys next week. Next week. Bye. Bye.